0: Welcome to Power to Become, the podcast. Today we have Scott Haas with us.
1: Go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Scott Haas, as you, as you mentioned, Marco. Thank you for having me up here. Uh, I live currently in Salt Lake City. Uh, I have five kids, three in college. Really? Yeah, it, it's an expensive time of life right now. <laughs> and then two still at home. I'm originally from just outside Portland, Oregon. Uh, a lot of people have heard of Beaverton, which is the world headquarters for Nike, and that's that's where I grew up and uh, lived there until I left home after graduating from high school, and have never lived back there since. But uh, <laughs> so that's that's kind of the long and short of it.
0: Well, That's cool. Honestly, just met you, like. 30 minutes ago probably. And I didn't know you had three kids in college. Thought you were I, I think you look younger than that. <laughs>
1: so. Well, it was fun. We were cruising around campus, uh me and Marco. So, uh that that uh, getting getting kind of up to speed on the new buildings here and yeah. you're pointing out. But yeah, it's uh time flies. It's great to be back up here. I mean, the what has happened here in Rexburg over the last really 30 years. This is the 30th anniversary of me coming to Rick's college at the time. Wow. I came up here the fall of 1990. And that was my first time I'd ever been to Rexburg, was driving up here. I'd never visited the campus before. And um, to see what it has become is just absolutely stunning. Uh, from from the amount of the students that are here, the quality mm-hmm. of the students here, the quality of the education, not only the fact you get you know four-year education, Opportunity versus the two-year associates degree that I was able to get, um but the facilities and, and I mean you've got a temple up here, yeah. The community's grown. I mean, it's just it's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So yeah, what was it like when you were here? Because you went to Ricks and then you went to BYU. What's the difference? What was that like?
1: Well, at the time, you know, the best way to compare it, and I and I. I truly treasure my time here because it was that perfect transition between high school and like a big mm, college Yeah, campus. I mean, BYU at the time had 27,000 plus, you know, students. Now it's, it's well over 30. <clears throat> um, but, but Rick's college at the time was, I think, I mean, 6,000 students. Something like that, I mean, it was, it was just pretty small. you 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 would see people around campus that you knew all the time. So it, mm. it kind of felt a little bit like high school, but yet it it offered you a wider perspective and you were meeting people from all over. So it was perfect. And this was also at a time where missionaries still left you know, at nineteen instead of eighteen. And so you had that one year. Yeah. That freshman year of ignorance, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh it, it um it was fantastic. It, it was just much smaller and uh, more localized. And we had sports programs back then. It was you yeah know, Friday night lights with the football games. Oh, it was that college. That'd be awesome. you know the town loved it and and I and I, I do miss that. I think that would be I don't I don't know the ins and outs as to why they got rid of or have not, um, you know, brought the sports program here again. Um, but regardless of that, it's, you know, sports or not, I know they have the intramurals and a lot of other opportunities and outlets for sports here. I played baseball when I was here and then I went on after I finished my mission, I came back here, um, and then graduated. And then I went to BYU and, um, you asked about that transition and BYU is just, it's just, you know, it's bigger, um, but a lot of the same things when you have your religion classes and mm-hmm. um, it, it still had that great feel on campus. It was just, you know, a lot bigger campus to walk. <laughs> you don't see yeah. the same people <laughs> all over the place. So, so yeah. it was a great time.
0: Yeah. I remember cause it takes probably 15 minutes to get from one corner of campus to the other here in Rexburg. But when I was a teenager, I went to BYU for a camp during the summer I made it like a fourth of the way across campus, and <laughs> <laughs> it took me like twenty minutes. I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to go to school here."
1: Well, and where we are right now, and the buildings—I mean, this, these were just fields. I mean, oh there was, yeah. I mean, there was nothing. It, it, you could walk across campus back then. Like five in minutes. Five minutes. That's crazy. But it's it's just it's fun to see the level um, that that BYU Idaho is at now and continues to be. And and I think that some people, unfortunately, have looked at it in the past as maybe a second option, like okay, if I if I don't go here, if I don't mm-hmm. go here, then maybe I'll go to BYU Idaho. And I think that's changed. I think it's coming and has come full circle to where it's it's a destination. I know for the faculty, I have a um, a niece and her husband that live here. He's a he's a teacher here, and I know talking to several of the. Professors, this is this is becoming uh, a great place that they want to come and teach at. And if you have great professors and teachers and faculty, obviously the students will follow.
0: It's true. I mean, I applied five years ago, and it was my second option. Didn't get into BYU, and so I came here. But honestly, I'm glad. I mean, it offered me to be close to my family because they live just 30 minutes away, which is nice. But it's true. I've heard that like professors here they really care about the students, and I can attest to that. My professors spend so much time with me in their office talking about school, career, even just life, which I love so
1: and and the other thing about being here it it is remote, and Rexburg isn't a metropolis, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's kind of the charm about it is that you're here for one reason and one reason only. So true. Yes. There's not a lot of distractions, although fly fishing on the Snake River and <laughs> was always a distraction for me in the summertime, which is great. You do have a lot of outdoor opportunities, but it's just nice. I mean, you, you can jump over to Idaho Falls, you know, and mm-hmm. go up there for the night if you want to hang out and stuff. But it's you're here and you just kind of feel... Like everybody else is here for those same reasons, and I think that just elevates the experience all the way around.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, when you were here, what did you get your degree in?
1: So I just got a, 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 a general associate's okay, comp studies, you know, mm-hmm. degree. It was it was I hadn't really declared my major, even though I at the time was toying with the idea. There wasn't a lot of um, specific communications and broadcasting classes that, uh, that I could go into. And then when I went to BYU, I went into the communications and broadcast specific program. So that's what I graduated in, uh, at BYU was broadcast communications.
0: Okay. Yeah. So now I have to point that out. I am very amateur at podcasting. And here I have this news anchor who's (laughs) been a news anchor anchor forever. Well, not forever. You still seem young to me. But (laughs) um, yeah. So let's talk about that. Sure. Did you, um, because I know you went to BYU to get your MBA. Did you start broadcasting before and that came or what was that timeline like?
1: So I went back to get my MBA in 2012. Okay. Um, so it was, it was long after I had started my career in broadcasting. My first job out of BYU was, uh, with the CBS affiliate in Southern Oregon in Medford, okay, which is just North of the California border. I was there for about a year and then I moved to Las Vegas and was with the NBC affiliate there for, uh, almost eight years. Wow. And then from there I came up to Salt Lake City and worked for, uh, the NBC station there for another almost 12 years so um, wow, that's a long time it was it was a great it was a great career and and so I went back to get my MBA and and did the executive program with BYU in 2012 while I was still working um, at the news station so it I, I originally when I first got interested in broadcasting in general I was playing baseball at BYU and I thought I was going to be a sports anchor. Mm. I mean, that's just—I, I, you know, I knew it. It was the language I spoke, right? Yeah. And um, and that was my initial plan. I did an internship with the radio station uh, KSL 1160. Okay. Um, my junior year, and during that time, I got to know a few of the sports guys on the TV side. And then I also did an internship the next summer um, with a television station in Sacramento. And it was a news internship. And it was it was during those two internships that I really discovered that ESPN was just starting to take, mm-hmm. take hold and really catch a lot of momentum. And uh, I really felt like there was more opportunity on the news side than the sports side. You only have a couple of sports anchors at a station. You got your weekend guy and your weekday guy, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Whereas you have lots of news anchors and reporters and covering the news just required a larger. So I felt like from an opportunity standpoint, I felt like if I started out in the news and and then I could always migrate over to sports if I needed to, but it would be much more difficult to do it the other way around. Mm. So when I left um, that that last internship and, and went into my senior year, that's when I really focused on the news side of things and not sports. And so my first job out was as a weekend anchor and producer at the CBS station, and and it was it was news; it was not um, in sports. So that's okay. the way I kind of stuck with it. Although I, I think part of it was also I sports is kind of my passion, yeah, and and a part of my life, or and especially at that time, and I knew that if I would, I'd be spending a lot of nights and weekends um, covering sports and sporting events and i'm like wait a minute i want to be sitting in the seats cheering on <laughs> yeah. the fans you know being that perspective and that's just kind of a tough thing and i and i know that i mean there's there's great opportunities in sports and and i've got a son right now who's uh wanting to go into sports management not necessarily on the media side of things but um it's just yeah it's it's you know there's so many new opportunities in in the sports world as well but that's kind of where my my uh, broadcasting career took me
0: Okay, well, that's really cool. So, you were in Vegas for quite a long time, like 8 years you said or something? Almost, yes. Yeah, and you were a news anchor there. Uh-huh. So what was that like compared to reporting news in Salt Lake? So Two completely different cities. They
1: are they are I mean the strip in Las Vegas and all of the casinos, it is so intertwined in mm. in terms of everything that happens there. Mm. Um, from an entertainment standpoint, um, you've got you know, the biggest celebrities coming through. And um, when I was there, the food scene really started to to come into play all these huge restaurants and big names and big chefs were coming in and opening up their restaurants, Emerald Lagasse and, and Wolfgang Puck. And they were all opening these, these signature establishments and would team up with these hotels. And so there was um, obviously news stories that you would cover outside of the, you know, the casino and gambling industry, but it seems like, you know, every newscast, there was something about, you know, uh, this, this hotelier or this casino or this happened on the strip or Mm. or whatever, whatever's happening. Um, did you get to meet any celebrities? Well, it was fun because I was doing the morning and the noon show there. And so the noon show would, would end up being, uh, almost daily. We would have a different star or celebrity or chef come in to talk about their new show and every casino wanted free publicity for sure. (laughs) So I got to meet, you know, everybody, I mean, I got to cook with Emeril Lagasse and you know, bam, right. (laughs) I mean, And Wolfgang Puck and all these. And, and so they would come in and they, you know, they take the last segment of the show and, and, uh, and let everybody know about their new restaurant. And so, There was a gray area there between what's real news and what's more just kind of like, uh, you know, pay to play, but they weren't paying. But it was it was fun for me because even even the lot of the comedians and magicians and Mm -hmm. celebrities would come through and the noon show was the one show they chose because they work so late the night before they weren't up for the the morning (laughs) show and you, you're not going to do it during the evening news. So the, the noon news was, was more of that, um, that time slot where they could make it into the studio, come in for a few minutes and do a little interview and and go from there. So everybody from blue man group to, you know, it was, we got to, to work with all of them and that was, that was really fun. That was fun
0: that's awesome
1: <laughs> and then in los in in Salt Lake City, obviously you just don't have that yeah. that contingent it, you know Salt Lake's dynamic that a lot of people you know would talk about is you know the LDS factor mm-hmm. and the influence of the church and being right there, there's a lot more news that's obviously covered just because it's right there and I was working for the station that was owned by the church and so um even more emphasis if you will, yeah. So that, that definitely created more content for us to cover. Um, but it was just, you know, obviously polar opposites from, from strip clubs in Las Vegas to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah. dealing with Temple Square up in Salt Lake City. Yeah. So uh, quite the extremes.
0: Yeah. Um, so do, you, you,
1: do you, are you a news anchor right now? No. Okay. No, I left in 2013. Okay. Um, I was in the middle of my MBA program. And uh, had an opportunity to start a company um, that focuses on really storytelling no different from what I was doing in the news business Mm -hmm. but um, we we started to focus in on high-end luxury real estate and from a marketing and uh, a video production standpoint so we uh, we started doing that in 2013 and uh, haven't haven't looked back it's That's been, really awesome. It's been almost eight years now, and um, we travel all over the globe working with uh, either sellers or uh, brokerages that are hired by the seller to help them market these one of a kind, incredible, you know, multi million dollar mansions. Sometimes it's a private island, sometimes it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it, you'd be amazed at what people create out there when they have. Um, Uh, unlimited resources and so we'll we'll go to the Caribbean and we'll go to Mexico we'll go to all parts of the United States Canada um, and and tell these stories about these amazing homes and then we help them market these homes these are homes that are for sale Mm -hmm. so uh, so that's what we've uh, we've been doing for the last eight years
0: that's so cool you had to travel all these places do something you love storytelling I'm curious when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up did you ever think i want to be a news anchor or i want to do create videos and market these mansions
1: no i think i mean i've asked myself that question too and i've been asked that question what did you want to be growing up and i, I you know outside of being a you know professional baseball player you know, yeah at time um I always thought I was going to be an architect or a builder. Okay.
0: Same. So <laughs> I was like nine years old with yeah. a graphing notebook, drawing yeah. house plans. Don't know All why. All the time. I was such a nerd, but. For sure.
1: <laughs> and, and it's, it's ironic that I'm, I'm still, now I'm in the real estate sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I'm not the one designing the houses, I get to see kind of the finished product and what somebody else has done and uh, call attention to certain aspects. Yeah. Um, and see these creations that others have have put together and then film them in in a way that captures that and kind of pays tribute to that so it's not exactly what i imagined uh, yeah (laughs) but it's uh it's been fun nonetheless
0: yeah that is super cool because i mean there's in correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like in creating these stories telling these stories of these mansions you're not creating the houses but you do get to create you get to make something
1: out of another thing and show it to people right now there's there's so much um i take away you know so much from from creating again that that story for that unique property and um and we we also work with companies outside of the real estate um spectrum it's not a hundred percent but that's that's our real focus um but whatever it is and and it's and that goes back to my background in in television and in journalism and whether I was doing radio or tv or the web you know I was creating content and making mm-hmm. it compelling and making it memorable yeah. and so that's what our goal is when we if for you know for every property that we showcase is doing something or creating something whether it's visually or with the script or with the audio that, that does something that's memorable and that's what I mean really that's kind of that was the essence of what I talked about last year at the P2B conference here yeah on campus was you know how do you stand out tell your story in a way that makes you memorable because we all have those elements in our lives it's just a matter of focusing in on them and then polishing them to the point where we can on uh on a moment's notice if somebody asks us that we can give them a quick little elevator pitch of who we are and make it memorable and that's i think at the end of the day what we see in social media the things that stand out to us in in a feed um, it's it's things that are memorable moments and a lot of times Uh, most of the times it's video based. If you think about it, video is one of, if not the most powerful medium that we have right now to communicate. And that's why video is 80% of the internet traffic out there.
0: Yeah, so true, very true. Um, So in your company right now, what's it called?
1: Narrate Media.
0: Okay, cool. So is it just you or do you, how many people do you have working for you? So
1: me and my business partner started the company Um, and we use a lot of freelance talent on a case by case basis, but for the most part, it's just he and I, um, as we work with these various clients, we wear a lot of hats between the two of us. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, with my producer background and my writing background and my on camera, um, so I kind of cover that side. And then he has an extensive background in the production Mm -hmm. side from editing and filming and writing as well and and marketing and so together we can kind of cover all of those bases so that when we show up to a project a we can travel very lightly it's just two of us and our gear which is
0: really nice which
1: you know for most production houses you know it costs a ton more yeah. To to have that, you know, you'll have a grip, and you'll have an audio person, you'll have a script writer, and then you'll have a, a producer, and then a separate editor, and you could be, you know, before you're done, you've got ten people involved in the process, and you've got to pay all ten of them. Yeah. And and that can get very costly for us. so so we're we're not that high end production company that's doing a commercial necessarily, you know, for Delta Airlines, mm-hmm. although we do, you know, uh, very frequently create television spots um we're not that million dollar budget that you see in the super bowl ads you know yeah but at the same time we're also not um a fly-by-night you know studio um that's you know just somebody doing doing a video on their iphone <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so we can we can cover a lot of ground with our expertise uh between the two of us we have you know over 40 years of, of video and television and and uh, storytelling background so it's um it's powerful that we can, we can take those skills and, and bring them together for our clients.
0: That's really cool. That's awesome. And I and I was looking at your website, some of the videos you made. I'm like, okay, let me just go grab my couple million. I'm gonna buy this now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what uh, most people ask: is How do you come back to your humble abode <laughs> after after seeing the? Do you you know? Do you start to yeah. covet these homes? And I'll be honest with you, after after you go out to some of these places, and I mean, they're beautiful. I mean, you'll be on the cliffs overlooking the ocean or, um, you know, in this huge mountaintop cabin that's just, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like you're the only one in the world. And yeah, there's elements of that that are very, um, you know, you're very envious to an extent. Yeah, yeah. But you also see the excess <laughs> that's oh, out sure. there, and it doesn't. That doesn't make you desirous to to live necessarily. You see the upkeep and the maintenance that's required. <laughs> yeah, to keep these homes, you know, looking like they do and maintaining. Uh, we just filmed. Um, we just filmed the house that was you know twenty seven thousand square feet. Holy cow! Michael Jordan's house when we did his house in Chicago. That's fifty six thousand square feet. Holy cow! Uh, We did another house in Dallas last month that was 35,000 square feet. And they built it uh, specifically to house their art gallery. They have a collection that's worth hundreds of millions. Mm. And they built the home to be really a kind of a gallery for that. And it's phenomenal. But you couldn't leave the door open for more than three seconds because the air had to be filtered a specific way because of the canvases and all of the art. I mean so there's just the practicality that you're like okay this is not a very practical home for my needs right but I mean some of the backyards and the pools that you see at these places I mean no doubt you you'd love to hang out there for a weekend yeah. <laughs> with your family and friends and and have a have a fun time so um the the only places that I really I love doing is ranches we do a lot of big ranches oh yeah yeah and those are fun because it's not necessarily about a you know a huge house per se, that's sitting on the ranch, but it's just having that space, especially when there's rivers or streams and ponds and other things that are kind of coming into play and the things you can do on a ranch, there's just so many fun things to do. So yeah, I like doing the ranches.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, to what you said about the upkeep, I grew up in a really small house with seven people. I have four other siblings, my parents, and we always said like, mom, you need a bigger house. <laughs> when we all g- grow up and move out, we're going to have tons of kids and you need a big house. She's like, who's going to clean it? Right. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to clean That's it. That's right. And I'm like, okay, fair point, but you still need it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you, you definitely want space so that you can gather. Yeah. We just recently moved and that was our main motivation is just to have more gathering spaces. My oldest son just got married and so you start to look down the road not too far and you start seeing... You know, kids are going to be coming along, grandkids, mm-hmm. and you just you, you think, okay, there's going to be more gathering needs, and so that's definitely uh, something you want to have if you have that yeah. uh, that opportunity.
0: Very cool. Well, um, we're so grateful to have you on this podcast so and tonight you'll be the MC for power to become i guess when people hear this episode it will, it will happen be, months ago
1: yeah if it's a huge <laughs> failure it's in it's my fault and I'm, i'll be i'll be famous for the wrong reasons <laughs> <laughs> well
0: at least this episode was good so well you have a chance to redeem yourself regardless of the that's, situation that's
1: right well it's been a pleasure it's great to you know be back here put the headphones on and and hop on the mic and yeah. see see what's going on up here at BYU-Idaho with the, the radio station and everything you guys are doing here. So best of luck to you.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: you